0: Hello and welcome to the second Total Gaming Game of the Year uh, podcast for 2018. I'm Matt Jarvis. Uh, today I am joined by James Wallace. How are you doing, James?
1: I'm doing pretty well.
0: Fantastic. And on the other line, we also have Dan Jolin. Dan,
2: how are things? Oh very well, thank you very much uh And I actually think my wife is just about to bring me a cup of tea. Bless her so apologies for the imminent interruption.
0: <laughs> well, if she wants to chime in on on the game she's enjoyed it's uh it's always good to hear more okay
2: no i've got I've got the tea there's the tea I now have a cup of tea, so uh everything is perfect
0: uh we're just here satisfied slurping from your end. I have <laughs> yes. nothing on this end but plain water. Uh, but maybe i'll stick a teabag in it so we are here to discuss kind of the games that have been taking our fancy this year things we've enjoyed maybe a few that uh maybe didn't live up to expectations but just generally kind of looking back over the last 12 months of games and and kind of maybe looking a little bit forwards too as well uh to to see what's come out in 2019 but i will start with you james uh what's kind Uh of been interesting you this year what have you been playing
1: um I'm I'm kind of an exception. You always come to me first and, and I always say I've been playing weird stuff. I've been playing old stuff this year because I'm writing a book about the history of games. So I've been playing very old obscure games from the 12th century. Um which is not much help for this podcast. Um the 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 stack of review stuff that revi- arrives every month I've been working my way through that. Uh but I was over at Essen of course with you and um saw I know a lot of, of interesting stuff, what felt like a, a, a number of trends coming through. Um, something I've mentioned before, small games, games that you can put in your pocket and play anywhere. They're not a not a big thing yet, but I think with um, uh, Maiden's Quest from WizKids, which is a great game with appalling rules, wait and wait for them to do a second edition on that, but also, also the, <laughs> the new deck builder that I'm completely blanking on the name, the one everyone's very excited about. The new deck builder? Not deck builder, CCG. Oh, is this Keyforge? Your this is Keyforge. Yes, Forge. okay. I've got Keyflow on the table in front of me because it oh, just arrived. That's for a, a very very different game. I got completely game. stuck on Keyflower and I knew that was wrong, but couldn't get past it. Sorry, Keyforge. Yes, um, that sort of game where you don't have to do a huge amount of prep work. You can just take the game with you. You can pull it out. You see someone with a, with another deck. You can play it with them. Um, taking games out of the home into wherever you are i think there's going to be a lot more of that
0: and uh, so have, have you managed to manage to play keyforge yet or have you largely been kind of looking at it from afar and going oh that seems interesting
1: i i am not a, a ccg player at all um one of my claims to fame is that i was at the gen con where magic went big in 1993 and was grabbed by one of the demonstrators who said you have to play this and she does have a completely fresh deck I got a hand of cards so bad I couldn't cast a single spell <laughs> throughout the entire game. And I walked away thinking, it's a shame about Wizards of the Coast. I heard they did some nice stuff, but this game's going to kill them. Which was genuinely my, my reaction as, a, as an informed industry insider. So, uh, yeah, I don't. me and tr- CCGs don't have a big track record as a player, but as an industry observer... I think KeyForge is a really really interesting step forward. It took a company like Asmodee and a designer like Richard Garfield to pull it off. I don't think most companies are going to be able to do a game equivalent to that. They simply don't have the resources or the talent. But as a step forward, that and and discover the idea of a game where every set is different um and in some way unique and you'll get a different experience from it and therefore there's a a desire to, to play multiple copies or to own multiple copies of it that's a really interesting step forward
0: that gives me a very nice transition to throw over to you dan because i know that you have played discover uh and reviewed it for the magazine uh, but weren't quite as taken uh as i think well uh, obviously you go into a game hoping it will be good but you didn't come away seeming all that kind of won over by it
2: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you said that we were going to talk about some disappointments, and I'm sorry to start with a disappointment of the year, but uh, I I would definitely file Discover Lands Unknown uh, under disappointments in in my personal experience, sadly, because I was actually very excited by the concept, very into that idea of the unique game. Um, I, I think there's just something... That would that appeals to us all about that, you know, knowing that the game that you've got is different to anybody else's. Uh, and that's what appealed to me about Keyforge as well. I just love that idea of the unique decks, you know, that you could just pick up a deck and have one that was that, that was your very own. Um so I I liked I like the idea. I love the look of Discover, I love the design of it. Obviously Corey Konditska. I can never say it properly. Corey Kaneska, uh, Kaneska, I think it is. Kaneshka. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, apologies. My, my Polish is awful, but assuming it is Polish. Oh my god. Anyway, um, I, I I you know I rate him as a designer, but I there were parts of it I liked. I uh, I kind of it, it did have a, a that sort of a lovely feeling of survival and exploring, um, and you know I, I'm always a fan of turning tiles. <laughs> But it just didn't seem to quite click together. Uh, it seemed slightly random. Uh, the story element just seemed a bit kind of odd and, and disjointed. And I can only put that down to the fact that what you're getting is a kind of procedurally generated algorithmic, you know, thing going on with what the components are in your box, um, rather than it just being uh, a, a very focused, streamlined, you know, uh, experience. So, um, so yeah, that was a bit of a disappointment. But, uh, but you know, I played that a few times. Um, but uh, Key Forge, I haven't played as much as I'd like. And and, I, and, I, and I've got a very, very sort of sad reason for it, which is that I still haven't managed to get the proper starter set that has all the bits. And I've, tr- I've tried playing it with, like, coins and bits from other games, but it just doesn't feel right. <laughs> I'm too fussy.
0: When they first sent it over, it was... Uh they just kind of sent over some of the individual decks uh without the the tokens and we were kind of improvising i found the chains we were kind of tracking the chains through yeah. text message which was very awkward um yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't take all that much but it definitely i think picking up the star set I've, i you get a couple of the unique decks in there anyway so it seems worthwhile but it'd be interesting i guess to see if this unique games trend because it felt on the one end you they put out Key Forge, you know this kind of card game very much kind of the each deck is your own and discover felt like it was on the other end of the spectrum in some ways and that it was a lot more procedurally generated i think only in keyforge only the the names and the some of the artwork is procedurally generated and then the the decks just mixed up but then the Hmm. in discover it's a a lot more kind of thrown together in a way that i think didn't really chime with a lot of people yourself included so i wonder if they'll they'll next year we'll see
2: something where they've they've found more of a sweet spot for what works I hope so I hope so because you start off discovering it makes sense you're kind of here you are abandoned in a place we need to survive but then you kind of get these developments where it's just suddenly you're like go and find some fuel or go and find this thing or and you're like well hang on a minute where why would I you know you've visited these locations and nothing really seems to suggest itself you can't do you know what I mean you can't think intuitively about it and I was finding myself literally just looking through the decks at the end of games going, what did we miss? <laughs> uh, and, you know, and invariably we gave up as well. We kind of like, uh, all the times I played it, it was just like, oh, you know, let's just this just stop now. Uh, we want to play something else. You weren't exactly so, convinced to go out and pick out four more copies to see all there was. No, exactly not. But, you know, beautiful design, beautiful design. Um, but, uh, but that, that I mean, that is an interesting trend that, that James picked up on because in terms of the... Um, the small games, because I'm getting quite into this. I like the idea of really good portable games. Like, when I go away, I like to take a game that I could perhaps play solo that's nice and small. Um, And and there was one game I played this year, but actually, it turns out it's not actually out this year, so I'm not sure we can count it. But I played it this year, which was um, uh, Legends Untold, which is is an indie sort of, you know, dungeon-crawling game. But it all fits into a really small box. You know, it's kind of like... um, you know, Gloomhaven really, 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 really reduced, but it's not a legacy game, and it's not Gloomhaven. I'm just, just kind of <laughs> uh, reaching for the nearest comparison. If and, there was I, ever I, I, a game
1: that needed to be reduced, it's Gloomhaven. Oh, yeah,
2: it is, it is insane. It's insanely huge, and and actually, I have spent more more time this year playing that game than any other game. And I would have played it even more if it wasn't for the fact that it takes nearly an hour to set up and nearly an hour to put away.
0: <laughs> yeah, the setup um, time is definitely a killer on Gloomhaven. And uh, yeah. speaking of big box, my friend had a copy of it and in, in the boot of his car and hit a bump and the entire thing flipped over and scattered every single piece in the boot of his car. And I don't think he's gone back to it since then. I think his boot <laughs> might still be filled with sort of monsters and books and stickers and so on. Oh
2: my God. And also, yeah. Well, the other thing with Gloomhaven is I've got a group of people I play it with, but we can only ever play it at my house (laughs) because I can't take it on the train. You
0: you (laughs) could sit on it like a, uh, they kind of, um, what are the bass drums called that they use in kind of folk songs and whatnot? They slap the side of them. Just use it as that and a few quid on the way.
2: If I was taking on a plane, they'd charge me for another seat. (laughs) but um but yeah so so you know Leg- legends untold was uh was and I, th- I think it's actually a 2019 game now but because uh, as as is often the case with these a lot of these indie games Kickstarted games that get delays but uh, I, I i like the fact that it, you can you can have a cooperative uh dungeon crawler you know fitted into a tiny little box that just fits into my bag so so i i, I like that trend james i want to see more of those
0: and in terms of what you have been enjoying Dan uh, on the other end <laughs> to discover what's been kind of standing out this year that that actually came out this year
2: well actually seeing as we were just talking about um, gloomhaven and 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 sort of the other end of the scale from that is wildlands which obviously isn't isn't a dungeon crawl game because it's a it's a you know a versus skirmish game but just in the sense that you open the box you get the bits out you you the rules you can read they're just a few pages of rules there's not a lot of components. Uh, everyone can get going really, really quickly. And it's super fun, isn't it? <laughs> it is
0: really, really good. I was kind of taken aback by, because this is from Martin Wallace. Um, and he, some of his designs are very kind of full on, let's say. And uh, mm. this is like an incredibly, incredibly streamlined design. I mean, it's, you know, a hand of cards and some some figures. And you go from there. There's not there's no text on the cards. It's just symbols. It's, uh, yeah, it's maybe maybe the slickest game uh i remember playing this year maybe i think blue blue lagoon's right up there as well
2: yeah yeah no i i would say well blue lagoon's great because it is so simple but there's so much to it and wildlands there's a little bit more to it obviously mm. and, and blue lagoon's you know blue lagoon feels like a, a gateway game you could pretty much put that down in front of anyone you know, even your sort of, well, I actually put it down in front of my dad, who won't ever play anything with me other than chess. Um, and, and and he played Blue Lagoon. Whereas I think if I got Wildlands out, I think it's just something people would see the minis and and, and look at the cards and, and think, oh, that's a bit much for me still. But that said, I mean, I, I would say, you know, Wildlands in terms of how much it does and how it reduces it down to such, such a simple and elegant rule set, um, is, is fantastic. And, and I just love that uh, interrupt mechanism. So, so, yes, just to explain is, um, so you, each player has a, a hand of cards which determine their actions. But when another player is in the middle of their turn, when they've just completed an action, and you have to time this right, otherwise it causes arguments. When they've just completed an action, you can then play an interrupt card if you have one in your hand, which means you kind of then butt into their go and you pull off some goes. Or pull off some actions rather, and and what that means is it, you could be you know very reactive and you can kind of you know stop them in their tracks and, and force them to change their strategies or pull off a little strategy of your own, and that you can have some really fun things going on with that. Like I had one game where I uh, actually uh, had one of the wizard characters. Do a kind of they 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 were being attacked by someone and I knew they were going to die, so I interrupted and made them blow themselves up. <laughs> 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 they did like they kind of suicide bombed and uh, and took out the uh, the person attacking them. I think it was the werewolf guy or something. Took out the person that uh, was was attacking them, and um, and that kind of meant that I gained a point. Well, when the other player play, also gained the point, but I gained a point when they wouldn't have done. That was just a, like one of those nice little things where a mechanism. Creates a little story, and that's what I always love in games. You know, when something in the mechanisms creates the drama and and, and, and something for the narrative of the game. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'd definitely say Wildlands is possibly my favourite game of the year. Definitely, definitely in the top few.
0: Excellent. Okay, so. And James, without having to go back to Games of the Year eleven seventy five or whatever you're looking at at the moment, uh, is there anything from from this year that you have managed to play that that you've? Particularly oh, the enjoyed?
1: Mind. I mean, right at the start of the year, Nusfjord, which I think was this year, not last year. Um, but just an ab- a lovely warm fish finger sandwich of, of a game. Just delightful. Um, yeah, quite heavy, but so much going on and so beautifully assembled. But then the mind came out, and it's the game I've played most this year. And I know there are people who don't regard it as a game, don't regard it as a proper game. I... I'm really interested to see if it turns out to be a complete dead end in game development or the start of something new, because the way it makes people feel, and I was playing it again last night with four people, and we were on round three, so we only had three cars each, and we had a sequence of 34, 35, 36 go bang, 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 and it does not feel like anything I've previously experienced in games. It When that happens, you it's like the entire group is on some kind of psychic wavelength, I've no idea how one could replicate that I- with different gameplay, but I'm really interested to see if Wolfgang Walsh can can follow up on on this and produce something that's as equally as interesting. And it's an amazing gateway game. Talking of gateways, because it's incredibly simple. You're just you're playing cards in sequence, but you can't talk about the cards. You can't t- talk about the numbers that are on them. Um, anyone can pick it up. It's very simple. It's co-op. Um, and it's it's very very portable and simply for for various reasons and you can play it with small kids which is a great advantage for those of us who have small kids so yeah played way more than any other game this year and and just enjoyed every single time
0: although the downside if you play with children who are too small of course is that they learn to count from <laughs> 35 to 67 to yes, seventy-five. I think <laughs> for some reason and that if someone in between.
1: then everyone has to swear <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I actually I I was playing The Mind over the weekend with some friends, uh, and like you say, it was it's almost simple to the point of being laughably simple. Because when you try and explain it, it sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, you just play these numbers in order. Also, you can't talk. That's it. Go. Also, some shurikens <laughs> or something. I don't know, but. But yeah, it's uh yeah, the mind is uh, I've come around on it because at first I wasn't I wasn't in on it and I think you need that kind of magical magical moment with the mm-hmm. right group. Um to get into it but it seems it, more generally it seems like it's been kind of the year of Wolfgang Varsch um because of course he won the Kennespiel de Jars for uh, the Quacks of Qued- mm-hmm. Quedlinburg uh as well and he was nominated I think three times over the the Spildy Jars and and the Kennespiel. Bill. Nominated three times more than anyone else for the Mind, uh, and then again we forgot. Yeah, I for three very but different games as well. Quacks. Yes, yeah. Have you played
2: Quacks at all, uh, Dan or, or James? No, nor me. I haven't. No, no, I haven't even played the Mind. <laughs> you like, are you kind of like James talking about it? Made me think uh, maybe I should have put it on my Christmas list. But I, I, kind of, I've read all the descriptions of it and just gone. And I, you know, I'm sorry about this. I've just gone. Nah, that, that doesn't sound proper. I'm not sure about that, um, but I should probably change my mind. But no, and I haven't played Quacks either. Apologies.
0: I think that's that's something with the mind, though, is that like I say, when you look at it, it seems almost pointless because it seems so so nothingness. Uh, but it, I mean, it's I think it's nine quid to pick up. I th- I bought the German version before it was out properly here, but I don't think the price has changed very much uh, between import or getting it here. But it's certainly no not much more than a tenner. Uh, and it's a hundred cards from one to a hundred, so I think you can also play the game yeah. with it, uh, quite with relatively little else needed. Huh. Uh, but yeah, Quacks is Quacks is an interesting one. So it's it's kind of a bag builder, so along the lines of Orleans. Um, right. But but you're also it's kind of a a race game around a track. So you're pulling these tokens to to go around this spiral um, without blowing your own potion up. So there's a, a big amount of luck involved um, but then you're able to buy these different ingredients for your bag so you're kind of fine tuning that and they have different effects um, so you can choose to either have a lot of ones and you know that that makes it less likely that you have to blow up your thing or you can go for a lot of fours that will power you around the track quicker but uh, it's more likely you'll pull one of the the ones that will make you explode and yeah I've been enjoying it, I don't think I'm I'm completely bowled over by it I, strangely it's also it picked up the Kennish Builder yards because it's not it's not you know very complicated not that the kennish bill ever goes that deep uh, but it's it's not really very complicated at all especially compared to something but usually like they're things. quite
1: strategic um, I and mean, you were saying that there's quite a lot of luck involved in this one
0: yes it's hugely luck based i mean it's it's entertainingly luck based but you can you can fine-tune your bag a little bit but it's still going to come down to what you pull out and you can have you know all the ingredients in the world in there and you'll still manage to pull out those four ones that will just blow you up within two turns um, as, as we experience but it's it's got an interesting catch up mechanism as well where the person or people who are behind the first player on the scoring track there are rat tails and they can use the rat tails to as like a, a supplement to go around the track um, and the number of rat tails depends on how far they are behind the leader but because it's so luck-based it doesn't always help close the gap because uh, one person can have a couple of really good rounds and they just end up far and away ahead of everyone else um but i mean i, I enjoyed my time with it but it's not something that i think is going to really really stay with me um but i can see why it would pick up the award in some respects because it's got an interesting mix of the the bag building with the kind of running around the track and and whatnot so yeah an interesting one is there anything else that's uh stood out for for you guys this year
1: um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm I'm trying to think. It's arb- um uh, not Arboretum uh, Photosynthesis was last year, I think. Uh, yes, father. I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, I do think Blue Orange are doing some terrific work. We talked briefly, or um, briefly about um, uh, I'm blanking on the name. What has gone wrong with me? Is this planet? Uh, uh not planet. The one oh we were no, talking about earlier on in in passing. Oh, um, wow, now I've you th- It's the longest oh, road from Catan as an entire game. It's Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon. I forgot this was a blue-orange yes. game, that's why. Which I, I played at S and wasn't completely convinced by. Uh, but I hear people are enjoying it a lot more than I enjoyed it. And I hear rumours of, of that as a possible Spiel as your nominee. And then Planet, which I actually found the gameplay a little bit thin, but the components and the pieces and the experience is just so lovely that it's it's hard to criticize it it's a game that's very hard to hate and they they just seem to be doing really really excellent work i'm not usually a big fan of a game publisher as a whole but blue planet uh blue orange are out there um as our osprey who we were talking about i don't think there's been an osprey release in the last two years um from wildlands um, downwards uh, that i haven't I- thoroughly enjoyed
0: their production in particular, I think Osprey might be might be right up there with the best sort of look and feel of games. I mean, the, the kind of ink miniatures in, in Wildlands and oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> the stuff they've done with Lost Expedition with the visuals there and, and their new version of London, uh, which mm. is also My Mollus. Um, but I'm looking forward to their Next year they've got that J- uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell game from a uh, couple of the designers f- behind War of the Ring, which will be interesting to see how that pans out. I don't think it's, it's obviously not anything like War of the Ring. Uh, I'm not sure that Jonathan Strange and Mr. Nora would lend itself to that, but very interesting to see uh, how that does.
2: Hmm. I mean, I I think one thing, one sort of development I've seen this year that's, that's really interested me is, is storytelling through board games, different, different ways to do that. And there's two, two games that have really impressed me on that front. And one is, uh, and they're very different games, completely different games. One is, um, jerry hawthorne's stuffed fables and the other one is um holding on the troubled life of billy kerr by michael fox and rory o'connor um and and i think it's like i mentioned earlier i sort of i love it you know when you kind of got like, each game gets its own little mini narrative and i think every board game can has it has a narrative every single one but i like I, i'm really interested in the way that, that both these games are kind of drawing you into a an established narrative in, in in a really fun way. So stuffed fables, the the innovation there, and I think it's an innovation. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think it's an innovation. Is the fact that the board is is actually a storybook. So you you get this book out and you fold it open, and there's there's the little grid on which you can put your little miniatures, um, and um, all on on the other and on the other page from the map are like the story development so when when a certain thing happens it triggers this thing and if you achieve this then you turn to the next page which will take you to another little board to play on and um and and the the story there is that you're 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 playing characters who are the uh the soft toys belonging to a little girl and you're going into her dreams and you know helping (laughs) helping her and having little life lessons so it kind of it feels like it should play young but it actually really works with any age group as long as you just accept the fact that you're playing a teddy bear and a cute stuffed elephant and that kind of stuff. But, um, um, and, and I've kind of like, I was playing it with my eight, now nine year old son, and we were almost sort of treating it like a little mini legacy game. So we were, I've got little envelopes and put all the characters into the envelopes so we could kind of save the game. So even if we were only halfway through one of the chapters, we could just stop after a bit and then pick it up next time. Uh, and and that worked really nicely and then and then of course holding on uh is really interesting it's it's kind of the other end of the scale very adult very emotionally driven very rooted in reality um and these are both cooperative games uh so with holding on you're you're playing uh care workers or nurses on a ward with a with a man who's who's uh suffered a heart attack i think and is and is dying and uh and you're trying to draw his life story out of him and and his life story is based in real events. Uh, and it's kind of like, we can't go too much into it because of spoilers. I, I don't know if, you know, we should do a spoiler warning, but uh, uh, the clues in the title, uh, in the title, The Troubled Life. Um, and um, that's that's fascinating in, in terms of, of, you know, making you care or, or indeed get annoyed with with the character Billy in terms of uh, how much he tells you and how much you can glean from his story. So, I think that's a really interesting development. Different ways of... Yeah, that's a,
1: it's a proper adult, grown-up piece of, of storytelling through a, a board game. I mean, it's a very downbeat story. You know that Billy is going to die. That's not a spoiler. That's a given at the start of the game. You're trying to keep him alive for as long as possible. Yeah. So games are traditionally about, you know, big successes and, and, and whooping and clapping and stuff like that. And this is such a, a downbeat thing. You're just trying to, you know, give a man essentially the best death you can. Um it's, I really hope mm. it does well. I really hope it finds a market.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did I did have some issues with, with, with the game, which I reviewed it uh, for Tabletop Gaming. And I, I did find that there was, a, it's kind of a difficulty threshold to it. Like it's actually a lot harder than you think it's gonna be. Uh, it looks like quite a simple, straightforward game. And then it's actually it's actually really quite hard to meet the objectives of each scenario, or at least I found it, maybe I'm just rubbish. Um, Or, you know, maybe my group's just rubbish. So my kind of desire to learn the story was was almost getting kind of kind of pulled back by by the fact that, oh, we failed that again. We failed that again. And I was getting impatient, you know, so I, I kind of almost wished that there were kind of different difficulty modes built into it. And I could suggest some ways you could make the game easier, having played it so many times. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was almost like, you know, there could be like in video games where you have the mode where I just want the story. I don't I don't care about the combat. I almost felt like that with holding on. It was just like, well, maybe you can make it a bit easier so we can find out more about Billy quicker. Um, but, yeah, um, Dan, yeah.
0: you and I sort of spoke about this around the, the time it came out because we were both playing through it. And, and I was I kind of yeah. fell into that boat as well. And I really wanted to see the story, but I just didn't, to be honest, at some point I just didn't enjoy playing it because you had to keep repeating the scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish it had had the kind of legacy, or at least what they've done in things like Pandemic Legacy, where you continue on, but there's a like a lasting effect from you winning or losing, or it, it balances the, the following game to make it slightly easier or, or harder, depending on how you're doing, rather than just kind of throwing yourself at a wall. I mean, I played with four people and I played with two people and it it seemed to be, Mm. at least from my experience, about as hard with either sort of group. It didn't seem to get any easier with more people. It just seemed to, uh, yeah, we really, really struggled, even in the first couple of scenarios. And that kind of took the the excitement I had about seeing what that story was kind of out of me uh, and kind of exhausted me. Mm. And I didn't to be honest i didn't get to the end of it because i just kind of hit a point and my group hit a point where it's like we don't really want to really want to play this anymore we you know did one scenario like five five six times and and it was just like oh well we could move on but then it feels like we're we're cheating ourselves a little bit and and not playing the game as it was designed but then the result was we didn't end up playing the game at all anymore
2: yeah 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 that is that, that is a shame but i mean i i would say I think it deserves to be on uh, you know, on this list of, of Games of the Year because of its ambition and, and because also it's beautiful. I mean, it's, ama- it's amazingly um, designed. Uh, you know, the, the, the use of, of the artwork in terms of uh, you have the cards representing the memories that Billy has and, and then there's a version of them where they're like vague um and then there's a there's a clear version and and the, and the way it builds a picture of his life on this grid i mean you know I, I i think it's astonishing so i think i think it's i just think maybe it's one of those games where perhaps you know there's a lot to be learned from it and and if you know michael and rory do another one like it you know i hope they kind of listen to the feedback and um you know perhaps you know build in like those legacy-ish elements you mentioned or or just different difficulty levels because i'd I'd like to see more yeah it'd be nice
0: in in 20 years to maybe look back and and see something like holding on or or fog of love as being the if not the the first few but at least the next in the lineage of kind of games looking at those more mature kind of stories and and different ways of telling those stories
1: absolutely i don't think it's going to pick up any awards necessarily in its own right but i think as the harbinger of a, a movement to come as you say there'll be a lot of games and game designers saying well i played holding on and that influenced me in a few years time
0: absolutely so is there anything else that's that stood out for you both james i know that you've uh you played welcome well welcome to or welcome to your perfect home people seem to disagree on what it's actually called um it yes kind of standout um, welcome, role welcome to your, your
1: perfect home it didn't i was expecting more of it i'd read so much hype and i thoroughly enjoyed it um and the idea is lovely and a game that you can play with any any number of people um and the card mechanic the the way you determine what resources are available each turn is is very clever but for all of for all of that sophistication of design and elegance of of design it just didn't grab me as a play experience um it's kind of along the line of doing a sudoku with a bunch of people uh, or <laughs> everyone doing the same sudoku at the same time uh, or at least that was the feel we 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 got off it i know people have raved about it um and it's, it's kind of the, the banner waiver for the, uh, the roll and Right or the Turner card and write movement at the moment. But um, I don't know. I would solid kind of 7 out of 10 from me. I've, I have played it a couple of times since, but it's not one I grab out of the bag and go, this, we have to play this.
0: Is there any roll and write that you've you felt kind of overcomes that? that I guess uh, people call it like solitaire, multiplayer feel. I guess it's pretty inherent to the roll and write stuff. But um, it seems like this year has been kind of the year of role and rights in a lot of ways.
1: Uh, yeah, there were so many coming out at, at, at S, and it did seem like almost every publisher had one, or at least was was talking about one. There's a uh, Gashon Clever, which was nominated. W- Wolfgang Walsh, again, um, uh, nominated for the Spiel. I'm getting confused. Was it nominated?
0: I, I think it was. Now, I don't know. I'm going to silently fact-check while you are... Uh, while you chat away. Uh, brilliant.
1: Um, I mean, yes, that's right. It's much more numerical. It's b- it's basically a, a numbers puzzle, whereas Welcome To is um, kind of clever resource management. Th- but it's all, it's all resource optimization. Um, and essentially, it's that thing. You can't really do anything to affect how other people are playing. I play games, tabletop games, because I'm playing them with other people for the most part. I they can get an experience out of them that I don't get out of phone games. Or uh, g- uh, uh, games on my laptop, and it did Other than the fact that there are special cards that you can race to and be the first to get and uh, go aha and wave it in someone's face, um, which I don't do because I'm a grown-up. <laughs> but that kind of th- that kind of thing that you c- you know there was no sense of really competing to do anything other than optimize one's score and score more points than anyone else. You can't affect how anyone else is is playing the game. Um, so it tends to be a lot of people kind of huddling over their board and not not talking very much and you completely lo- lose the social element or at least my groups lost the social element of of gaming which is not to say it's a bad game qua game it's it's a, a as i say a really interesting piece of design um, but not what i'm looking for in a game
0: so again Sean clever was nominated for the Kennespiel, bill so alongside That's it, um, yes. quacks of quedlinburg so uh, Wolfgang Walsh had two of the three games that were in the, sh- the running
1: for that extraordinary and he's been he's been around a little while but I think this is we'll look back and go this was the year I hope we'll go look back and go this was the year where he rose to prominence I hope this is the flash in the pan for him
0: mm, and he's I think he's already announced another roll and right for next year that basically there seems to have there was this sudden flurry of roll and rights that looked basically like Tetris. Uh, so Wolfgang Walsh's one is called Bricks, spelled with two Ks, a bit like Mortal Kombat, but not as, <laughs> I was going to say not as cool, but it's not its not cool. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so he's already announced that, but I think it's one of sort of several Tetris alikes that are coming out next year that all seem to be doing the Roll and Write thing.
1: Yeah, I, I have a feeling Roll and Write is going to kind of burn itself out fairly quickly. I'm not sure there's that much variety that's possible in the form that will keep
2: it fresh enough for people to keep buying them. I managed to miss that that boat <laughs> entirely <laughs> this year, I haven't played a single Roll and Write game all year, so uh, so yeah, maybe 2019 is the year of of Dan starting to play Roll and Write games uh, in some way. But uh, but uh, when, whenever I read about or hear about them, they just, just just make me think of a game I used to love playing many many years ago called Railway Rivals, where where you where you drew your track on the I board. I
1: bloody love that. Railway Rivals. <laughs> the fact that that game is not in print <laughs> is an absolute tragedy.
2: I know it's insane, isn't it? I mean, it's just like you would have thought, you know. And not the same game, but with Ticket to Ride being such a thing that railway railway rivals would uh, would. would yeah, it. I,
1: I know the guy who owns the rights to it. It's not um, David Watts who, who designed it originally, um, and he thinks that it's it, he oh. thinks the design is too dated to republish it. And I think he's completely wrong, and we'll continue to try and persuade him of that.
2: Please do, please do James. Tell him from me as well. Tell him Dan loves it too and would love to see it come back. That was that was always one of my favorite board games when I was like in my, I would say, early to mm. teens. I think, I think, for
1: a lot of us, it was kind of certainly for me. I was playing board games before it came along, but it was one of the games that I point at and go, "That was a game that turned me into being a serious gamer." Yeah,
2: yeah, that and Cosmic Encounter. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> enough of such nostalgia. <laughs> uh, on that kind of
0: note, I will give a nod to to Railway. Um, oh, blimey! I've completely Railroad Inc. Uh, which James and I chatted yes. about at Essen and it is along those lines, but I've and it is a roll 'em right. But I've been really enjoying that. It doesn't necessarily do anything that's super new. It's you know, it's it's definitely in that vein, but it's so small and kind of friendly and bright that I was really, really enjoying it and actually was playing it on the train because it's relatively small and carrying a copy of it in my bag. Um so yeah, I've been I've cool. been really, really enjoying Railroad Inc. Uh, and it also takes me back to the kind of nostalgia of playing Pokemon as a child because I like collecting different coloured boxes. But on my pandemic, <laughs> there is an actual reason to pick up both boxes uh, rather than just getting the same stuff in both. But looking ahead to to sort of 2019 then, other than the the stuff we've briefly mentioned, is there anything that you are both looking
2: out for that you're particularly excited to, to try and get your hands on? Oh gosh, there's a few things. <laughs> um well uh i mean there's there's uh, there's a game that i have actually already played um, which uh, is uh, gladiators blood for roses which which sadly kickstarted and then and didn't didn't succeed um which you know seems like a, a, a weird story these days seeing as you keep hearing about you know games doing so well on kickstarter uh, but they re- they're relaunching that uh next year and and that was just i mean honestly it was such a good card game just kind of the sense of uh, gladiatorial one-on-one combat happening through the the, the the playing of cards in a kind of trick-taking style format, but not exactly that, and chaining moves. Uh, that was great fun, and I'd recommend that to anybody. Um, um, but uh, one that's something that's really caught my eye is Tainted Grail, Fall of Avalon. Wow, that's a that seems to be all. getting a lot of attention right now. Yes, Tainted Grail, Fall of Avalon. So it's another... I I like my kind of semi RPG in a box dungeon bashy style games, and this looks like a really fun one. Again, with a narrative drive to it, um, a bit more focused than uh, than Gloomhaven has story wise. I think sort of, and the idea is it's set in a sort of post Arthurian world where everything's gone wrong, and all the heroes are gone, and you're playing the stragglers. There's a bit of a survival element to it as well, and, and, and it, it looks looks lovely and that's coming from awakened realms oh right who did lords of hellas this year which which i wasn't so keen on when i actually reviewed it for you but then played it some more after i filed my review and started liking it loads so uh so sorry about that
1: it didn't blow me away either
2: oh right okay i think i don't know i just kind of like my one of my kids really sort of hooked into lords of hellas and said can we play it again and i was like really and I think after playing it a few times with him, I went, "Oh, I actually know I am enjoying this a lot more now." So maybe it's just a grower. Um, but um, Monumental is another one that that I, I actually played at Tabletop Gaming Live, Matthew Dunstan. Yes, yeah, this is a uh, uh, yeah
0: fantastic. It, I think it was a Kickstarter exclusive, right? So it's it's not coming to shops at all, and I think the the campaign's ended now.
2: Yes, well, I'm 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 kind of like hoping that I'm just going to get sent like a, 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 a <laughs> copy anyway. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to cry. But uh, but no, I really I really love the way that was a. It's just a mad hybrid, isn't it, Matt? It's just like how many different st- how many different genres have they managed to cram into one game? Yeah,
0: I I mean, I Civ- civilization games are probably my my favorite game types, and this was kind of it's like that, but kind of meets I guess the the dudes on a map of Blood Rage a little bit, but then there's this kind of card system where you're building a grid of cards yeah. and doing combos of. Uh, like lines either across or down and and so on i i really enjoyed what i played of it, and so it's kind of a shame that they're not putting it out wider but also you look at the miniatures in there and you look at the amount of stuff and you just go this it's i mean it's a kickstarter game it's got kickstarter written all over it it's called monumental for god's sake like they knew what (laughs) they were going for yeah
2: one more 2019 shout for me would be Comanauts, which is the follow up to Stuffed Fables from Jerry Hawthorne but it's not a sequel to Stuffed Fables he's just taken that you know that board book uh, story book board whatever however he he phrases it idea and applied it to to an entirely new scenario which i think will be more appealing to grown ups uh, in the sense that it's a kind of inceptionish style adventure going into someone's subconscious. Um, so similar, but uh, but different. So I, I'm looking forward to that one. And not
0: a million miles from holding on in in some ways, in that it's, again, kind of taking this slightly more, although it's more of a, um, God, what's the film? Is it... Incredible Journey. That's the one. It's, <laughs> it's a little less... What is it uh,
1: Fantastic Voyage?
2: Oh yeah, no, sorry. Incredible, Incredible journey. journey I think it's the...
1: animals travelling across a <laughs> landscape.
2: Uh, yes, you're right. You're right. I oh, always get those different. two. I always get those two mixed up in my head for some truly bizarre reason because they couldn't be more different. <laughs> <laughs> and that
0: was stuff. me reinforcing your complete, complete wrongness.
2: Yeah, I know it's good, but I said it with such conviction, didn't I? <laughs>
0: exactly. I was just like, absolutely. That's it. He sounds so confident.
2: <laughs> Thanks, James. Thanks for pulling me up on that. Otherwise, I, I, I would have realised like an hour later and gone. <laughs> yeah.
1: No problem.
0: But um, yeah, it's funny because from, I don't, I I mean, it certainly won't be out next year, but there's also like a Mice and Mystics film coming, uh, or or at least it's in discussions with DreamWorks. So yeah, I think there's actually quite a few board game based films. I think there's even a Catan thing going on somewhere with, um, oh, blimey, the Aliens producer, very famous, whose name I can't recall. Uh, James Cameron? No. uh, Oh, the producer, sorry. uh, Gail Ann Hurd. Yeah. Uh, weirdly I've been watching a documentary on aliens and yeah I still couldn't recall her name despite watching about three hours of footage um, of her chatting about aliens but yeah I think there's a Catan film coming and now there's this kind of Mice and Mystics film on the way and there's another Cluedo film with Ryan
2: Reynolds involved and apparently they're doing a Dungeons, another Dungeons and Dragons movie but this is going to be a proper one set in the Forgotten Realms apparently but uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hold our breath for any of these films because you know I think I, I can't remember how many years ago like 10 years ago it was announced that Ridley Scott would be making a Monopoly movie, so you know. Yes, wasn't it?
1: Hasbro sold a whole bunch of rights, including Battleship, which did come out, but there was going to be, um, uh, I think, all the all the ridiculous has. There was going to be a Jenga movie, I think, and something else, and, and
2: just yeah. thinking, how how on earth is that going to work? Yeah, no, I, I mean, and and Battleship didn't work, did it? So there you go. No. <laughs>
0: But have you uh, seen the news? I think it was today or yesterday, Hasbro opening its own water park that's got some of attractions themed around Magic the Gathering and Monopoly as well, which is uh, yeah, just the, this kind of bizarre kind of cross. I think there's stuff on My Little Pony and, and their kind of other franchises and toys and games as well. But but yeah, the idea of going down kind of like a, a Magic the Gathering water slide and then going into Hungry Hungry Hippos
2: Cafe is, <laughs> is quite a strange one, really. Yeah, I... I don't think I'll be rushing there. Uh. <laughs> no, it's,
1: uh, it doesn't sound like a huge draw. Mousetrap, I'd be interested in seeing a life-size mousetrap.
2: I mean, you know, if they did like a, a theme park based on blood rage, I'd be well up for that. But... <laughs> Everybody
0: dies. It's just the itchy and scratchy theme park. <laughs> <laughs> but uh james we'll we'll finish up with you so looking ahead to next year what's uh what's kind of taking your eye i'm
1: incredibly boring because i've spent the last few months face down in historical games i haven't really been able to (laughs) pay attention to much of what's what's happening um the game i'm really excited about is actually the one that's in in front of me because i've just got it for review it's gen 7 it's the follow-up to oh god my mind uh, what is it the follow-up? Oh, the dead of winter the next one. The incredible, incredible Journey. <laughs> it's like I said last Day on Earth, and that was completely wrong. But yes, you're the seventh generation on board a colony ship, um, and things have started to go horribly wrong. So it's a narrative co-op survival, quite possibly survival horror game. And that's just ticking all my boxes. Heavy storytelling, there's a whole book of story elements in the box, loads of with mean, a big heavy box, it's another one of those I cannot wait to get my teeth into this, I nice. um, haven't even started to read the rules yet, but I'm very very excited to get that in front of my players and I think this may be, if not our gloomhaven, then at least our um, betrayal legacy or something like this, this is a game we're going to put a substantial amount of time into
0: have you played Betrayal Legacy, you or Dan?
1: And um, I haven't, I'm afraid. Uh, nor I. I, wasn't, I was never that taken with Betrayal, the original Betrayal on House on the Hill. Yeah.
0: Uh, see, I, I love it, but I come from a, a point of kind of going to Fright Fest and, and appreciating kind of dopey horror in a way, and so never never had issues with it like some people I know um, do. Um, but Betrayal Legacy, I think, is, is an interesting one because it seems like such a perfect fit for Betrayal, because you've already got the kind of you know, every every game of Betrayal was different so in some ways it was kind of like a weird proto Legacy game, but actually I I really, really enjoyed my time with it, I think it's really well written, like it does interesting things, but it's just, the only knock I'd put against it is it's just a little less bonkers than some of the stuff Rob Davio's done with like Seafool or, or Pandemic Legacy with Matt Leacock of course and, and Risk Legacy, mm. it just it felt restrained in a way that made it a quote-unquote better game but but also kind of was missing some of the like, oh my God, kind of crazy moments, because everything's ramped up to 11 anyway, you know, where do you, where do you go from that? So you end up kind of appreciating it, but not having those moments of like, holy crap, there's like this in the box, or this was hidden in a, a thing. I think there's only maybe one or two envelopes and a, and a box to open, and then the rest is just stickers. Wow. Um, so it's kind of a different take, but maybe, I mean, it worked really, really well, but I wonder if he after C4 uh, particularly, didn't do all that with a lot of people, uh, whether he decided to dial it back a bit and uh, mm. and kind of not let the, the legacy stuff run away.
2: I, I, I never got on with C4. I got C4, and then, and then firstly I saw that actually you needed three players or, or more for, for it to work. Uh, although Rob himself told me it can work as a two-player game, but it's just more, more of an engine-building game in that case. So I was like, okay, fair enough. But I just, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get past the prologue and I really wanted to because it looks so lovely <laughs> it looks so good but hey ho uh,
0: I see oh I will defend it because I absolutely love it I we played it for the review and then we went back to it again this year now my one of my friends has just recently bought a copy because it's incredibly cheap because no one else wants it um, mm. and I'm I'm genuinely really looking forward to diving back in it's not it's not perfect by any stretch uh, it definitely has its faults like the enmity system is a bit wonky and and there's bits here and there, but it kind of is so bananas and all, all over the place that I can't help but just really love it and kind of enjoy the experience, even if I, I kind of recognize that as a game, it's maybe not the most <laughs> uh, perfected design, let's say.
2: Right, right. Actually, before we finish up, I was thinking because, like, you know, talk James talking about historical games, and <laughs> and we're talking about you know sort of small, quick games. I
0: think you've stolen my segue from me, but uh, yes, I know what's coming up here.
2: Go and do your segue. You're the boss. No, no, no. Uh, well,
0: I know that you're bringing <laughs> up Ten sixty six Tears to Many Mothers.
2: I am. Yes, uh, which,
0: which you have reviewed for the magazine, and which I've also been playing. And yes, which I think we're in agreement in that it's a very, very, very good game, and I'm liking it a hell of a lot.
2: Yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, I kind of you know in a. Four- Full disclosure way i, I did back this on kickstarter but that's just because i enjoyed gloom of killforth um so much with the same designer tristan hall but this is a far better game than gloom of killforth firstly it's like he's got rid of the dice which is always good uh, uh, and uh, it works as a solo or as a two player but i it's it's you're playing the battle of hastings and the build-up to the battle of hastings and again this brings in what i was saying about storytelling actually, the way he uses the historical narrative of, of, of of you know, of that year really, really works in terms of the objectives, you know, you have to achieve as the Normans and as the Saxons before you can actually start properly fighting at Hastings and all the little details that you learn and pick up, which, of course, you know, become less impressive the more times you play it. But then by that point, you're really into the gameplay itself. and uh, And it, it feels like it's got a you know a lot, a lot of depth to it that will, that will keep it you know running for a long time but i mean what, what do you particularly enjoy about it matt
0: i really appreciate the historical side of it but i also like that kind of i really like the grid system uh, it feels like this kind of distillation of not not necessarily a war game but there's there's elements in that in the positioning and and things like that matter it, it reminds me a little mm. bit of KeyForge. in that in KeyForge, what you put on the flanks um because you play your cards to the flanks of your your cards Uh, What you put there matters because certain effects affect them and things like that. But I also like you, I like the the way it builds up to the Battle of Hastings. You're going through these objectives and it it has this kind of mounting tension before the, the big battle at the end. So it has this really nice kind of arc up into the main event. But yeah, I was really, really impressed with it. I think the solo mode is not as impressive um it's it's decent but it's kind of uh, like quite a few solo modes it's it does feel like you're missing something by not playing against another another person and yeah. the only other real criticism i have uh, i has i have is that the the box is just a little bit too big for, for what's <laughs> inside it
2: yeah although i mean it's quite easy to just like if you are traveling just you can just take the elements components out can't even shove them in a bag yeah because really it's like two <laughs> decks
0: it's two decks and some tokens it's not a lot at all
2: yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. i kind of like the fact that it's the same size as the gloom of kill box so it sits very neatly next to it on my shelf so i'm not so bothered about the box size
0: yeah oh, that's fair enough i didn't know the consistency is a yeah the, <laughs> speaking as someone who tries to again play sort of tetris by wedging a load of boxes uh, into the small space i have for them uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate when things line up very nicely and stack on top of each other neatly.
1: Yes, I do wish 2019 would be the year where manufacturers standardize on box sizes like shipping containers. It would just make life so much easier as a collector.
0: Until you get a game like The Mind coming in the same size box as Rising Sun. Well, yes,
1: <laughs> but if there were three or four different sizes, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm you know hypothesizing here. Um, it it would just. When you find a box that's just half a centimetre wider <laughs> or, or taller than, than the standard and it won't quite fit on the shelf, it's just maddening.
2: Yeah, What always bugs me is, is, is when you get a game and then once you actually sort of punched out all the tokens and got it all ready and then put it all back in the box, the box isn't quite big enough. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> absolutely like, infuriating. Why? why would you do this to me?
0: <laughs> I had that with Good good Critters, which is a kind of social deduction game I was playing recently, where it's like a very nice small box, but exactly that. You punch everything out, and there are sort of little cardboard standees that sit in plastic stands, and none of it fits back in as soon oh. as you've punched it all out if you're not deconstructing it every single time to put it back in. fortunately there's not a lot of it, so it's not a big issue, but yeah. Oh man, it's yeah, it is infuriating.
2: <laughs> yeah, which means we're back to Gloomhaven, of course, <laughs> where,
0: oh, where even that yes. box isn't
2: big enough for all the stuff that's inside
0: it. The number of sandwich bags, because we ran out of the plastic ziplock ba- zip bags uh, to, to put the different things in to try and categorize mm-hmm. them. So we just started using sandwich bags to try and save on setup time. Yeah. I think we got it down to about 20 minutes,
2: half an hour in the end, but even so. Yeah, I bought I bought plastic jewelry organizers. That's a, that's a good tip. <laughs> for, ah, that's a for, yeah, for that's my, a smart move. Yeah, so yeah, you know, all the tokens and all the monsters, so they're all got their own little compartments and everything like that, which which does save about you know ten mm. minutes. So it's, it's more like setup time of fifty minutes now.
0: <laughs> mm. I will give a shout out quickly to um, Endeavor Age of Sail, which is the new version of a game that came out a few years ago, I think just called Endeavor. They spell it without the U, but they weirdly include a cardboard <laughs> U in the box if you're so inclined to stick it on the cover and spell, spell correct it. Um, but that comes with, I think it's Game Trays. They were the same folks that did the stuff for uh, Wasteland Express Delivery Service. But it's the, the inserts are just outstanding i mean you it's not a game with not a lot of pieces it's got because it's all built around these variants called exploits you can kind of customize each each playthrough but you can just pull the trays out and and basically get going straight away it's it's absolutely amazing so yeah i think if there's one trend i don't really care what games are coming out next year as long as they're in boxes that don't that aren't a complete pain in the ass
2: (laughs) yeah i mean days of wonder should get a shout out really for, for lovely box inserts and everything and and, and and designing their boxes so that once you've you've punched all the tokens out, you can take the uh, you know what was holding them and, and and stack them up underneath the insert so that it all fits flush to the box. Um, that's 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 always a big thumbs up from me.
0: Absolutely, but I think that's that's all the time we have. And man, if I'd cut it off at 1066, that would have brought us nicely back around because James started started the show by chatting about 12th century games, then we ended up in 1066. So there's no real f- better fitting end for a game of the year about 2018 than going 800 years backwards <laughs> uh but uh yeah thank you very much for your time james wallace
1: oh absolute pleasure
0: and thank you very much dan jolin uh, thank you no it was great fun cheers and i've been matt jarvis uh tabletop gaming podcast will be back at some point in 2019 uh, until then everyone have a merry christmas and a happy new year